Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another adventure we call Roll Route. I'm laughing because Andrew has been frantically trying to get on with us. And just as I said, hello, everyone, Andrew was gone. Yep. Roll Route. We gather <laughs> and we discuss the issues between food producers and food consumers. I think he's coming back. Jay Truitt is here. He's in the saddle every day. This time of day, we are. Yeah. It is. We're uh we're buckling up for another uh, another little bout of winter that's going to move through. So today will be a busy day. So uh, due to the fact you're bringing up weather in Missouri, it has been a long time since I've spent an hour on the road at a white knuckle uh, freight frame of mine like I did Saturday driving to Boonville from Rockport to St. Joe. The only other time I remember that was close to being that bad, I was driving home through Rock Springs, Wyoming, and everybody gets stuck in Rock Springs, Wyoming that drives through there in the winter at one point in time. Right. But, Jay, I literally saw five vehicles go off in front of me. Two of those I had to maneuver around. Right. And just north of St. Joe and I-29, 12 cars all piled up. It was a tough one. Yeah. Fortunately, the great news is... The closer I got to Chief Stadium, the heat had emulated out from all of the alcohol, and it, <laughs> it, it had melted right. the road, and it was travelable, uh, traversable. What's the word? Yeah. Traversable. Yeah. So the the funny thing is, is uh, I mean, you know, you can say this about lots of places on the planet. I realized that the weather changes frequently here, um, and if you don't like it, just wait a few hours, and it'll be different. Maybe you'll like that better, but. More importantly is is that um, Missouri is one of those states that has these like really strong dividing lines between weather patterns. And, you know, uh, right again, I'm in the southern part of the state. We're preparing for a storm that's coming from the south. I walked outside wow. early this morning and and it's a that the coldest wind that you can feel and it's coming straight out of the south right blowing out of oklahoma and and northern arkansas and so we'll see uh, uh, but that's it is scary. That's, that's climate change climate change and it hmm. definitely yeah and, and yep. andrew doesn't have a flake of snow on the ground so he has no, no ability to relate to what we're talking about the whole the whole no, time I I... Do, there is a flake of snow on the ground it's just you can't see it in this vicinity there is a there is still some remnants you know, anyway. I lived, I lived, uh, I lived just outside of Cambridge uh, for uh, like uh, five years of my life, and I never remembered it snowing. I do remember a couple of like really light ice storms, hmm. but that were like really minor. But I have to say, it was uh, it was a pretty mild winter from a temperature standpoint. It. I do understand that other places in the country it gets brutal, but uh, no, you, you, you East are right. Anglia was pretty sweet. In Cambridge, you would rarely get a snowfall, but um, certainly where I live, you'd get snow every year. It's anywhere that far south south doesn't normally get snow, although they've had snow this year. Yeah, um, but they would only get snow probably uh, twice in ten years. So you're 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 correct in your statement where you live yeah are we on air are we on air yeah we've been on air for four minutes you're we talked about you while you were gone yeah 
Well, um, I pressed the wrong button. I pressed the wrong button, and I I, I pulled myself out of the equation, as they say. Right. That's anyway. all right. We have one so of those a- old-fashioned winters taking place, guys, where I now have snow piles because I've been moving snow day after day after day since Wednesday. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying because it's not blowing, so it's wherever it was, it still is. But we had is, a is strong... snow piles a health hazard or something? Is it something to be a health or what is no, the, actually, Landry loves a snow pile because I got piles that are 10, 12 feet high. She can go up them with a sled and slide down 12 feet, and she <laughs> thinks it's great fun. Right. But we, I can, I can just feel it in my bones. We've got one of those old-fashioned winters where those snow piles are going to still be here until it rains in the spring. Yep. Wow. Well, and, you know, I, I mean uh, – I am one of those. Uh, so one of the people that it, that uh, talked to me about weather many, many years ago is a guy named Tom Bavacqua, who was with the uh, NOAA and uh, worked in their severe storm center at one point in his life, um, but a climatologist and a meteorologist, right? And so one of those people that you kind of trust, he talks to me uh, still uh, not that many years ago. We had long talks about this whole climate change conversation, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing that he left me with was that everything in weather is cyclical and it's all caused by a multitude of things, right? There's And, and so yeah. now we've seen the temperature in the Pacific Ocean has changed a little bit. Flor- or California's weather pattern has obviously changed. It's been raining nonstop in California for uh, for a month or so. And the drought is broken. They're filling up some of the reservoirs. Sadly, they didn't build any more. They had 10 years worth of waterfall in the last 30 days. Can you get your mind around that? If they would have stored every bit of water that fell, they had all the water needs for California for 10 years. For 10 years, right? And and so if if you should go for office there, you'd get elected. No, I would not. Not in California, he wouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> oh, might get... somebody, <laughs> yeah some of these mexican cartel owners might well want a trent loose in charge but anyway that's that's another question isn't it no i was well i was just and again what i was what made me laugh about it was this morning i'm i'm reading through a series of stories right on politics and stuff and and one of the stories is how the new house majority uh minority whip the democrat whip um, oh yeah, their their thirty one year old kid was arrested for tagging oh, no, 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 statues, etc. Huh? Was, was he was he a girl or a boy? I you know I don't know. Uh, it had one of those uh, non gender uh, names because they're binary. Uh, no, so he, Dylan, he, he, Dylan, he is now a she apparently. He I don't know. I wasn't even yeah, trying to figure sense. that part out. the The real the yeah. funny part of well, not the funny part of the story. This is the scary part of the story because we created this yeah. in our society. The kid uh, is has been experiencing nightmares over climate change, oh, and well. the, and so he, he needs to be off. He does should not be held accountable to his actions. Well, of course, right? You're going to let them off the hook, and they were only protesting against conservatives, and so it's still fine anyway. But the the point of the matter is, though. We we love to just like get excited about stuff that we don't have to get excited about, mm-hmm. and and the uh, 
I know you guys in Across the Pond, you talked about the whole silly gas stove stuff, right? And FTX's role and all of that. <laughs> the very Literally, the very next story on my list was uh, this home inspector that was worried about the fact that we've made homes too tight, too airtight, <laughs> and that we've actually created well, the environment that allows all these chemicals right yeah to just stay in your house and so grandma's house which used to have a little breeze blowing through the uh, kitchen whether the the uh, windows were open or closed right um maybe that was a good thing and we you know we've just oh but we had to overreact to to make houses tight as a home builder somebody has interest in a in a a company that that builds homes uh I will tell you, you can't get an occupancy permit until you've done one of those tests in most major urban cities and urban areas. Um, you have to prove that that house doesn't release any air whatsoever so that, you know, probably for a lot of good reasons. I'm sure of that. But we've just we just spend our life as first world countries overreacting. The the greatest night you know, sleep man. I ever the greatest night sleep I ever had was in a dirt yurt in a in a valley uh, in Ethiopia. And do you, do you not think though that what you're actually saying is actually a really big issue? It's um, that we have allowed technology to scare the living daylights out of young people nonstop. That is yeah, nonstop. I, agree. I think that. Is, I think that is a, 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 it's not, it's not actually that funny. It's actually true. And, and to the yeah. point where they'll actually say to you, I don't want you to talk about that. I don't want you to talk about that. And that, I get that a lot. And I'm, I'm now getting annoyed about it because it is genuine because it's just being fed into them constantly. You know, um, uh, it, 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 in, it encourages right. all of those young people to go want to fix the global problems. We're going right. to be, we're going to go fix this climate yeah. change issue. We're going to fix this animal rights issue. I see it every single day. Roll out. J. Trout, yeah. Andrew Henderson. We're back with more calm, not fear after this. Right off the bat today, let's talk about maintaining a free and fed America. That is exactly what Protect the Harvest works on on a daily basis. Get more details about how you can be empowered because we're, talk about Mike Deering here in a moment, but that is what it's all about, empowering people to take their lives back. And we do that through enabling property rights like never before. That's how we achieve a free and fed America. That's how we maintain it. Get details, find out the information that you can rely on, and where to activate at protectharvest.com. Welcome back to the Calming Hour, formerly known as Rural Routes, because we have Andrew Henderson from the UK, who's always steady and calm. Jay Truitt, who he's variable, but he's when he's on his medication, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's more true than people might think. <laughs> hey, uh, guess who yeah. I got to see who I had not seen forever? The current president of Missouri Cattlemen, David Dick, was oh, yeah. live and in living color. And yep. I had not seen Chuck Miller for quite some time. Chuck's taking over as a vice pre- or president-elect yep. at Missouri Academy. It was just a good day, Jay. You should have been there. Can I rub that oh, in a little yeah. harder? 
No, yeah, I would have loved. No, I would have loved to have been there. We just well, again, we ended up having some company that showed up, uh, and so we we ended up staying home. But I, you know what, I have to say, um, as one of those people that came out of the Missouri Cattlemen's Association system, right? They're doing a great job. Their convention was on fire. I know. Uh, they had a great group of people there. Uh, David Dick actually introduced me for the sessions that I spoke at there. I hadn't been able to actually talk to him for in person. Uh, we talk about, you know, electronically, but I hadn't talked yeah. to him in person. In, he actually in, gave me yeah. a skeleton or two about you back in the day that I had. Yeah. No, no, oh, there's of, plenty. So it's all good. No, there's plenty. <laughs> the, the closet <laughs> is so full that we have like a bungee cord around the, around the doorknob and we just let it flex. So, yeah. If you heard something about me that was really awful, it's probably right. If yeah. it was funny, it's absolutely right. Okay, and whatever. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give a little shout out because knowing the bias, he's a very dear friend of yours, a dear friend of mine. But Mike Deering embodies what a commodity organization should be because he doesn't tell his membership what they should be doing. He empowers yeah. the membership to maintain control of this organization. And despite being a friend, and it sounds like I'm biased, he is what every exec should be for organizations all across this country. Yeah. I do so think. Is it, part- is it, are you saying he's a facilitator then? Is that what he is? He's a, um, what is he? How does, he, how does he do it? He so gives I, he gives people information, but allows them to make decisions. I, I I would I would say this. One of the things that I used to say a lot was the most power the the most powerful thing that you can do is be a leader that doesn't tell people what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, but allow in a commodity organization or in any almost any organization. But once the decision has been made, then go execute that whatever that turns out to be and yeah i think mike's done a great job at that and um, sometimes w- what we look for in commodity organizations or commodity leaderships in agriculture we look for uh, we try to find these people that they are the visionary well I, I and i may have fallen into that trap for a short period of time in my life because i did. worked for some i worked for some real visionaries right i did happen to work for some real visionaries I've completely done 180 degrees on that. I I believe that the visionaries that you're going to find are are uh, somewhere out this morning right now, you know, um, putting that first bale of hay out or um, breaking ice on a water or somewhere or saddling a horse someplace. Actually, they're moving snow so they can get to the water. Yeah, right. Or if they're really lucky, they, you know, their wife was out there doing it already. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, I've been thinking about, uh, I've been thinking about what you're saying there. Um, the best leader I ever worked for um, was somebody that sat me down one day and explained his philosophy. He's still alive, actually. He's in his nineties, and his philosophy was that you shouldn't try to improve people's weaknesses. All you should do is try and develop people's strengths. Yeah. And know know what strengths you need and then employ the people that you know have got those strengths you need. And I thought that's really clever because I I felt I wanted to work for this guy because you know, he didn't say, "Well, you're not good at that. You're not good." At... He would always say, "You're really good at that, so I want you to do this." So and I I think that's a really positive outlook of, on uh, on everybody, whether it's um, Mm-hmm. Telling you to do something or or get involved in something, but also 
um, if you want people not to be stressed in themselves, make them yeah, see I, how I, good I they are. I love that positioning. Certain. That's that's incredible. I think part of our part of our yeah. part of part of the issue though that brings I mean that kind of brings all this together and like even ties it to the last conversation is is that uh, in today's world, right, it, it became really easy to access all kinds of crazy analysis and, and people that have done things. You know, you can publish a book in about 20 minutes today, et right. cetera, et cetera. And, and we've raised two or three generations of people that they just want to consume all that stuff, you know, and they try to take it all in and everything becomes universal. And the reality is, is sadly, you know, I'm 60 or right on the corner of 60. And so you just go, at some point, you just realize, hey, wait, you just got to live a while to realize some of those things. And so maybe you should stop listening to people that are 20, 27 years old about how life works. Oh, wait a minute. I got a question for you, Jay Truett. <laughs> All of the uh, elected officials that we have in Washington, D.C., who do they surround themselves with? Oh, yeah. 23 years. Uh, the average age of a staffer in Washington, D.C. has been and maybe always will be 23 or 24 years old. And that, that is the, that is the cornerstone of the problem. Trying to, trying to even listen as a lobbyist, even trying to lobby Washington DC has become difficult because people only want to meet online. They, they only want to have discussions that you just send them the talking points and go on. And, and, and the older crowd at one point you know like to just sit down and work out all the nuances and the differences you did it face to face now we don't really do that we just blast talking points to each other and see who wins with the best spin you know? I, I, I absolutely despise that <clears throat> that conversation when you, you're talking to a staffer or it's not, it's not even an elected official you're just talking to somebody you want to have a conversation with and they're like what are the talking points i'm like i don't know we haven't had the conversation yet let's just start the conversation and go with <laughs> right it. Right. Yeah. How about we just talk instead of talk points? Let's just talk. You know, have a cup of yeah, coffee. That's uh, really interesting. Do you know that that? Do you not think the root of that is the um, is the buyer in a supermarket where they're placed in a job for six months and it's all about it's all about them controlling a specific, very very constrained area of of supply. It sounds like that's what's happening in happening in your government as well, where these people have, you know, they're staffers. They have a, a time where they they can make an impression. So it becomes about them and not really about the job that mm, they're doing. That's 100 percent of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, yeah. I do think, I, listen, I do think it's a great thing for a young person to be able to go to Washington, D.C. and work for a couple of years. I think you can see and feel and experience things meet people if nothing else you learn one key thing and that is even the people that you see on tv at night they're just like you they really are they're just normal people right we uh, and i think the big flaw in our society around the world in the first world especially is that we we worship celebrity right and so it gives you a chance to see that they're just normal people but this by the same token while you're there getting that experience somebody's asking you what you think well you know what yeah. i honestly don't care what you think you're 23 you haven't done anything even if you have a phd uh, well wait a minute biden's what matter. biden's 79 he hasn't done anything yet either so it's not all a factor of age he's more about like 21 in his head though <laughs> i don't think he's even there <laughs> well I, I i find that i find it all interesting 
exactly what, what you're saying because when we were 23 and 24, you know, you got to admit it, guys, we all thought we knew quite a lot about what we were doing. Absolutely. And it's experience yeah. that tells you that it's experience that tells you that you didn't know a lot. But there's, um, there, so wait, and I will just insert, Andrew, there is a lot of things we can learn from those people too. They take a fresh look, they look at things differently, et cetera. Uh, I'm not dismissing it completely. Okay. Nobody should get it wrong. They're, they're, but about life in general, yeah. Yeah. But their brains um, have been trained to take an awful lot more information on than our brains were at that mm-hmm. age because of technology. True. So, True. for example, uh, if somebody said to you, um, go and learn about the Incas or, you know, something from the past, you'd go and you'd get an encyclopedia out or you'd go yeah. to a library and you'd get a book and you'd read the book. Now they just click Google Incas and there right. it is. And and, and, then, and, and, and that is what has changed. It really has. Because yeah. they've have, they have to take on far more data, but they aren't developed as human beings. So that becomes an issue. I would well, I would agree. And then one more defense of the current staffer over the staffer in Washington, D.C. of maybe 25 or 30 years ago. They have 20 more things they have to do. And you have basically the same number of people doing the work. And so it, 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 our, we are creating this mechanism where we're trying to just That's overload it. How about, if, how about how about if we point. take how about if we just take half the issues off the table, though? Yeah, because about half. Uh, the stuff I, I, got a, I got a great idea. That's another thing. We we only have legislative sessions at the state and federal level once every five years. That would like solve every problem we have. Roll route, first half complete. We'll be back with more after this. Now let's take a moment and talk about beef. I'm talking in particular about certified Piedmontese, the beef that, uh, yeah, well, if you would have had that prime rib last Monday in Denver, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. How has that been a week ago already? Oh, my goodness. Get details about being a part of the supply chain at LoneCreekKettleCo.com. Check out the products itself. Anybody can buy online. uh, CertifiedPiedmontese.com. 